Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to the 2nd of January, 2024, Hong Kong Stories Podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. Happy New Year to all our fellow Hong Kongers, both here and around the world. We hear you, Hong Kong, and we are listening. And so we start another year, another date on the calendar with another fabulous story from Hong Kong Stories. There are still 12 days for our students to submit their stories for the 2024 Hong Kong Story Student Story Slam. Check the website hongkongstories.com for details. And our next live show will be the 25th of January and have the theme Buy a Hair. Come and pitch your story of near misses and close calls. Pitch details can be found through the links on the website hongkongstories.com. Hong Kong Stories. It's better than drama. It's better than comedy. It's real life. And now for a story from May 2023 from a show with a theme all at sea. Here is Leslie. After five years with Paul, he graduated. And that summer, I was expecting a proposal, a diamond. What he proposed was a 268-mile hiking holiday (laughs) along the Pennine Way. It wasn't exactly what I had in mind, but I agreed. Now that I'm older and wiser, I do wonder why. The Pennine Way is known as the backbone of England, and it goes from the Derbyshire Moors to just over the Scottish border. A fit, motivated walker can do it in 21 days. That's 20 nights of camping, carrying everything on your back. So I decided I would keep a diary of my experience. Day one. I've done the first leg. I've walked 17 miles today. My boots aren't sturdy enough. I've got blisters. My rucksack's really heavy. It rained for a bit. I got soaked. The view from Kinder Scout was lovely, but the peat bogs dragged at my feet and I'm covered in mud. I'm tired now. Day two. Breakfast time. There was a storm in the night and a small river has formed in the doorway of our tent and flowed over my boots and socks. I've had to wear them anyway. I've got bruises on my shoulders from the weight of the rucksack. I just read Wainwright's Guide to the Pennine Way for the second leg, and it says, Men have died on Bleaklow. <laughs> Paul's got the camping stove out, and he's making porridge. I just looked through the bags for the sugar. We forgot the sugar. <laughs> Still day two, just after breakfast. I want to go home. Don't worry, everyone, there's no more diary entries. (laughs) So we packed up, and we we walked to the nearest road, and we hitchhiked back to Sheffield. He sat in the back of that stranger's car, fuming, and I felt like a failure for giving up after only one day. We got back, and everything was dumped in the lounge. The atmosphere between us, you you could have cut it with a knife. But I, I suggested an alternative, It was still camping, but instead of being on the bleak Derbyshire moors, we'd be in the sunshine a a week in Portugal. Flight was the very next day. So our, our Portuguese campsite was lovely. It was right next to the beach. We could swim every day. 
and we made friends with new people on the campsite. And then about halfway through the week, we met a couple who were the owners of a luxury yacht. And they offered us the chance, <laughs> they offered us the chance of, of taking a ride on this yacht and we'd go along the coast of the Algarve, we'd stop at a secluded beach for, di for lunch and then they'd drop us back home. Paul and the other friends from the campsite jumped at this opportunity. Being on a boat is my worst nightmare. Uh, I get seasick. He knew that. Ah, oh, if I said no to this after my meltdown on the moors, then it wouldn't really help the situation between us. It was a lovely boat. And I did feel like a VIP as we all boarded that morning with our bags and got settled on the, on the yacht. We did think we were international jet setters, even if it was just for that one day. Ten minutes in, I felt awful. I couldn't look at anybody. I couldn't speak to anybody. The, the views may have been stunning, but I was just concentrating on not throwing up. You know those things people say? when you've got seasickness, you know, have sips of water, look at the horizon. People who don't suffer from seasickness think those things help, but they don't. But then the yacht owner had a bright idea. He said, I could get in the rubber dinghy that was, being, was bobbing along behind the, the yacht, tied on with a bit of rope. It wasn't quite the jet setter vibe I was hoping for, but at this point, I'd try anything. So I clambered down and I spent the rest of the morning slumped in the rubber dinghy, Paul getting on famously with the other friends, sipping beer, taking photographs, and I was on my own, relegated to third class, <laughs> and I felt dreadful. Lunchtime came around. We moored opposite a pretty little beach with uh, restaurants at the back. Everyone was getting quite hungry by this time. But the yacht was too big to get close to the shore, and there was no pier. We could swim in, but we all had bags and cameras and books and wallets. And then the yacht owner had another bright idea. He said, if we approach the beach in the dinghy, we could get as far in as possible. We could hop out and then just wade in, and that way we'd only get wet feet. Okay. Now... The yacht owner's wife wasn't so confident about this idea. She pointed out that there was breaking waves close to the shore. She pointed out this risk, but no one was really listening. So they all piled into the rubber dinghy. Yacht owner started up the little engine, and we headed towards the beach. And then I heard, look out! And I glanced over my shoulder to see a large wave about to break over us. There was no way that the dinghy could outmaneuver the wave. And at this point, I had this idea that it would be better to be in the water than to be in the dinghy and it get tipped up and maybe under the boat. So there I was, legs akimbo, one leg in the sea, the other in the dinghy, and I was sitting across one of the oars when the full force of the wave hit and we kind of surfed forward. And when I say I was sitting on the oar, I mean I was on the oar. The oar goosed me and I rode the oar until 
the wave broke, tipped us up, bags, cameras, all in the water. The wave tossed me around like I was in a washing machine until I, I caught my breath and stood up. The wave lost its power and I was knee deep in water. I'd survived, but the pain in my bum. I waddled to the beach like I'd been on a very long horse ride <laughs> and crumpled onto the beach while other tourists in their designer swimsuits looked on. Paul was finding our bag and camera and wallets from the shoreline and came over, wondered why I was in so much distress, but I couldn't tell him. I couldn't tell him I was disappointed he didn't propose. I couldn't tell him I didn't really want to go on the Pennine Way. I couldn't tell him I didn't want to be on a yacht. And now I couldn't tell him where my pain was. And so it was clear now that the waters were calm and I was not all at sea anymore that Paul was not the man for me. Thanks for listening to today's stories brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. The music for this podcast was written and performed by Andrew Robert Smith. Everyone has a story to tell.